Small businesses are at the heart of the U.S. economy. Here at Nurture Small Business Podcast, we're dedicated to seeing our small business owners succeed. I am your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. If you like what you hear on today's podcast, please share it. You have my gratitude for doing so. The Corporate Transparency Act. This is not a test. Real businesses, real fines, real consequences. And I have a real attorney here today, Shahara Wright, who is going to talk to us about that, along with some other fascinating details. Shahara, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I am looking forward to having this conversation. Absolutely. So we've been trying to connect for a while. First of all, thank you for your patience. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit, but it just seemed like life kept happening. And and I'm sure that for many of us, you know, life continues to happen. We stay busy and we forget about little things that we hear about, like the Corporate Transparency Act that aren't really so little. So I'm going to enjoy this conversation. But before that, you've got some great accomplishments. You are an attorney, a business attorney. You are um, you founder of the CEO Effect. Is that correct? Yes, correct. An author and a speaker. So tell me a little bit about how you got started. So I've been practicing for 25 years, a long time. Um, and <clears throat> for 24 of those 25 years, I have had my own practice, the Wright Firm, PLLC, where I work with small businesses and nonprofit organizations as general counsel, which really just means that I'm the legal department for small businesses and nonprofit organizations. And so that's what I've really been doing most of my career. Probably in 2016, I started the CEO effect. And really what I was doing was looking to reach more entrepreneurs, business owners, and talk to them about strategy, talking to them about understanding business principles. And I wrote a book called From Entrepreneur to CEO and started doing a lot of speaking and training. And that business still exists. But really what I found when I was out speaking is that you know, oh, whenever I would say anything that I'm a lawyer, people start asking me, right, about legal questions and this, even though the topic really wasn't about law. Um, And I found that people really still wanted to know and have information about this. So we kind of revamped the CEO effect to really start focusing more on legal strategies, um, understanding various different aspects of contracts and those kinds of things. And so it kind of paired well with the law firm. And with the law firm, we just really kind of went back to just focusing on transactional work, no litigation. So we don't go to court or, or, or sue people or defend suits or anything like that. We're all transactional and really just working with clients to ensure the legal health of their business. And that's our focus now. And can you work with clients anywhere? Because I think you are in Texas. Is that correct? Yes, correct. So there's some things that I can do anywhere. So a lot of my clients, I have clients across the U.S. um, And so not all of my clients are in Texas. There are going to be, obviously, there's some things that I can't do, like real estate and things like that. But a lot of the stuff that we do, such as formations and trademarks and contracts, negotiations, M&A, we can do across the U.S. And if need be, we can bring in counsel to assist us um, locally as well. Okay. And M&A is mergers and acquisitions, right? Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to clarify for for our listeners. And I'm sure many of them knew what that was. I just wanted to make sure that we we talked about that. So mergers and acquisition, that's kind of interesting, actually. Um, Hmm. Tell me 
Tell me a little bit more about that side of your business. Yeah. So we do probably smaller deals and small, you know, obviously is relative, but they're probably between the one in and five mil um, buying and selling of businesses. So a lot of times you'll have I, one of the things I try to encourage um, business owners to do is that you don't have to create everything organically, right? Most organizations grow because they're buying other businesses. And so that's one way to grow. And so if you're looking to expand, you're looking to grow, looking at other um, businesses that have something that you might like, want a competitor, any of those kinds of things, purchasing that business is a way for you to grow, to scale, as opposed to trying to do it organically. So we work with buyers and sellers um, who are looking to scale maybe by buying another business. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, a, a company is looking to kind of offshoot a piece of business that they don't really want to do anymore. They don't want to use it anymore. So they want to get rid of it. And so they can focus on um, their core aspects. So we work with that to do the due diligence, which is making sure that the deal works, that they're, you know, with small businesses, you've got all your paperwork in the work, work in the works, the financials make sense. Um, and doing the work around ensuring, you know, a smooth transition with the assets or the business um, that is going to be sold or purchased. And that's really what we do. So a lot of the work we do is working with um, buyers and sellers of businesses um, to expand as a part of their work, their ongoing business. So many years ago, I owned a cleaning company and how I first expanded the business was by purchasing another small cleaning company. Yeah. And the thing is, is that I was smart enough to look at the financials, but not smart enough to do proper due diligence, meaning checking them for seasonality. And it bit me in the butt. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a lot. It's, it's something that a lot of businesses don't do. And so I was um, at a conference. Well, it really wasn't a conference, kind of like an online conference, so to speak. And one of the speakers was like, don't use attorneys because they slow everything down. And, you know, you want to get this done fast. And, you know, of course, some people want to make deals happen and want to make it deal quick. But honestly, if you're not checking the numbers, you're not checking to make sure the paperwork is done, you're you're going to miss a lot of different things. So I always require my clients to get a CPA involved. So we always, it's not just me because I'm not a numbers person. Um, so you don't want me doing that. Um, so I always <laughs> make sure we bring in a CPA to check the numbers, but you want to make sure that's being accurate because what you're being told, right? They may show you something on the P&L, but um, which is a profit and loss statement, just so um, I won't get into the whole acronym thing. Um, but you may see something on the profit and loss statement that says that they made $5 million. But when you look at the tax returns, it says that they made a million dollars and lost three. Um, you know, you got to look at those numbers and see what's there and look behind it and see what's real. And so you that due diligence, financial due diligence is very important. And also the documentation, because sometimes people will tell you that they have contracts. Oh, we have this big contract, but the contract is not guaranteed or the bond contract is really out of service or it's going to end soon. And we need to look and see what it is. They may tell you that they have a certain formation and they were formed at one place and they really aren't there. Um, so there's a lot of things that could be going on leases, um, you know, other agreements that might be in place that you need to check 
and see what's there. Um, even in what we call an asset purchase, where you're just purchasing the assets of the company and not the whole company, that's important too, because you don't know if there's any liens, if there's any financing, what's going on. So you got to check. Um, and that's what a due diligence process does. It does slow things down. Um, but you know, it's a good slow, in my opinion. Yeah. Make sure you're not in hot water. It's sort of like if you bought right. a house, I mean, you do it, have a title search and all of those other things that you would do to make sure that somebody hasn't laid claim to a property you're getting ready to purchase. I mean, I literally just want to some top of mind. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You got to do your due diligence. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, thank you for sharing that. You are also a 10,000 small business, uh, a Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business alumni. That's how I ran into you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And that little bit that I read about the Corporate Transparency Act, not a test, real businesses, real fines, real consequences. That's what we're here to talk about. So you posted that actually. Tell me, what is the Corporate Transparency Act? So the Corporate Transparency Act um, was enacted in really 2021, January 2021. And it, it serves to kind of Ensure that we are not having um, shell companies that, you know, kind of getting rid of um, bad actors in terms of money laundering, those kinds of things. That's what the idea behind the Corporate Transparency Act is. And through the Corporate Transparency Act, there's a requirement to do what we call a beneficial owner information report, BOI report. Um, and that BOI report requires businesses to provide information about the business itself and its owners, controlling parties, and the people who filed for the business as well after a certain period. So it asks for some very specific information about the existence of the organization in and of itself um, and the people behind it. Is this filed federally or within the state that you, you've listed your business? So it's a federal requirement, um, and this is going to be with the organization called FinCEN, F-I-N-C-E-N, which is really the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. So um, it's a governmental agency that's kind of an offshoot of the Department of Treasury, um, IRS, uh, uh, also known as IRS, um, but it's a separate division um, called FinCEN. FinCEN, okay. Who has to file it? So all businesses have to file um, unless they're exempt. Um, and so your question is, are we exempt? There are like 23 exemptions. Um, but I think really for most businesses, you're only going to fall in. If, if you are exempt, you're only going to fall into a couple of um, uh, places. Exemption. Um, what do you call that? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you're only going to fall into a couple of categories. Thank you. I lost my words. Um, so you're only going to fall into a couple of them. Uh, most of these exemptions really have to do with public companies that do reporting like to SEC or they already have banks, those kinds of things. So for smaller businesses, you have what they call a large company exemption, which really isn't all that large. I don't know why they chose that wording, but it doesn't really make sense because um, it's not really that big. But you have to meet all of these requirements to, in fact, be exempt, meaning that you don't have to do the report. So this large company um, exemption means that you gross at least $5 million a year, that you have at least 21 full-time employees, and these are W-2 employees, not 
1099 contractors. So that's important to, to make sure that if you're using contract labor, they do not count. Um, these 21 employees need to be based in the United States. Um, and again, full time, at least 30 hours. And then you have to have a physical address, meaning physical location where your employees, most of your employees show up. So if you're entirely virtual, living on the beach and everybody's, you know, <clears throat> virtual, this is not going to be able to be a part of that. So it's important to understand that as well. When you um, say not having to be able to part of that, does that mean a virtual remote company wouldn't need to file or they would definitely need they to would need to be they would need to file because they would not be exempt right so you have okay. to you have okay. to have the physical address where your employees report to be able to qualify for the exemption gotcha. and that money that five million dollars needs to be reported on your tax return so no kind of you know faking um how much money you make for tax purposes so um, you have to meet all of these requirements. The six requirements, that's what you have to meet all of them. If you meet five, but not six, you still will not qualify for the exemption. So you have to meet all of the exemptions. Yeah, my company's so. remote, so I guess I'll be filing. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, what I find with a lot of my clients is they may meet one or two, but they're not going to meet, you know, all of them um, for most people. So you do have to make sure that you meet all of those. And then another one that's important too is, for tax exempt um, organizations, um, you have to ha be tax exempt um, from the IRS and that tax exemption cannot have been revoked. Um, and so that's important too, because sometimes people are not following their 990s and they get revoked and they don't realize it and you still have to report. So those are companies that are already in existence. Um, that's, you know, you're going to get those exemptions for new companies. So if you're starting a new entity, in 2024, you have to report, right? There's no exemption there. Unless you're a subsidiary, I take that back, I'm sorry. There is one exemption and that would be for subsidiaries, wholly owned subsidiaries of an exempt organization. They would not have to report. So when do people need to file by? So if the company was in existence prior to 2024, you have a year to report. So you have to report by January 1st, 2025. New entities that are filed or, um, yeah, that are filed from 2024 after January 1st, 2024, have 90 days to do the initial report. Um, and that initial report has to be done with FinCEN. And then for all of the other organizations, you know, if you have any changes or, you know, buying and selling companies and changes in that, you have 30 days to report those changes. So it's not an annual filing. It's a one-time filing. And then you report any changes um, from that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the annual filing. So it's just a single time and then just updates if needed. Correct. So let's just say, as we talked about M&A, you file, then you sell the company, then the report has to be updated that the company has been sold, um, who the new owners are, or any changes in ownership, those kinds of things have to be reported. Oh, okay. So more than just contacting the Secretary of State and just dissolving whatever you've done there. That's correct. That has to be done as well through FinCEN. So that has to be part of your part of your compliance needs to be understanding that FinCEN is going to be a part of that process. Okay. What other things might uh, a company need to update FinCEN for? Um, there could be things like you have changes in, so you have to report the beneficial owner is not just who owns the company. It also could be people who manage the company. So for example, let's just take a corporation 
um, that has a board of directors and maybe the board of directors change and you have to update who the board of directors are, even if the owners themselves haven't changed, that might be something that you have to update. But mostly it's going to be if the company moves, um, so your address change, um, if there's some change in the ownership, something moves, you know, with somebody sold or somebody came in or something like that, you'll have to update those kinds of things. So that just put a thought in my head for some nonprofits that have rotating boards. That's a lot of updating. Well, as long as they are tax exempt and they still have their tax exempt, they won't have to report. So okay. you just need to make sure that you have for nonprofit organizations, as long as they have the tax exemption, the reporting requirement will not be there. I know there's different types of nonprofits like 501c3 and K, something K. Anyways, <laughs> I, and I know they're like business associations and other classifications. So right. does that apply to all uh, nonprofits? Yes. Okay. Correct. So all of all the C, whether it's a C, uh, C3, a C6, C7, um, any of those um, organizations, as long as they have the tax exemption from IRS, then they are exempt. But again, it can't be have been revoked. So that's important to know. Okay. And how are you supporting small business owners with with this reporting? So right now, what we've been doing is giving some informationals. Um, we are in the process. It's, I was hoping it would be done. Uh, hopefully it'll be done soon. Um, but we are going to have a page that's dedicated to CPA. We already have it on our website and our blog. So um, at rightlawyer.com and our blog, we have some information about CPA and we're going to have a dedicated page that gives you information about CPA, what's expected, what do you need to know, where to go, those kinds of things. And of course, doing things like this about giving information about CPA so you know about it, what you need to do. Uh, as for us in the firm, in terms of filing the BOI reports, we are only filing BOI reports for our current clients that we have um, and any new formations that we do, um, because we um, do do formations. And so we will do the BOI reports for those businesses that we um, do the formations for. And that's important for us, one, because you having to ask for a very specific information, your ID is a part of that. And so what I'm letting business owners know is like, look, you can always hire somebody to do the BOI report. You can do it yourself. It's, it's, it's relatively simple um, to do. So you can do your own BOI report. But if you choose to hire somebody to do the BOI report, be careful about who you're hiring. Um, number one, because you have to provide documentation of your ID. Um, so you've got to, if their passport or your driver's license, you don't want to give that information to just anybody that you don't have any contact with. And so you want to make sure there's somebody that you know and trust. I tell people, you know, people say you got to know, like, and trust. And I'm like, you don't have to like this person, but you need to know <laughs> and trust them. Uh, that's so if you're going to hire somebody, you know, to use that. But we've just made the decision that we don't really want to take that kind of information in for organizations that we don't have any contact with, that we that we haven't dealt with. Um, so we are only doing it for current clients, uh, for companies that we are forming. And uh, if we have attorneys and CPAs that we work with, other accounting professionals that we work with, and we'll do it for their clients. Um, so that's one of the things that we're doing. But otherwise, we have lots of information about how to do it, information, what you need to do, 
you can also go to FinCEN, F-I-N-C-E-N dot gov slash B-O-I. And there's a lot of information about um, CTA. I will credit the government for putting out a lot of really easy to understand information about it um, there. And if you have questions, you can certainly go there. They have a really robust FAQ page. That could be a first easy, digestible information from the government. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I, I, I will say I'm, 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 I'm pleasantly surprised about how well they, they have really um, put that information out so that you can go and get those answers if you, if you need them. And that's where you would file your report as well. Perfect. We'll make sure that that uh, URL is in the show notes, but also how can people reach out to you if they want to, you know, inquire about your services or your book or you as a speaker? Sure. Well, the best place to go is to my website, which is the right lawyer.com. So that's T-H-E-W-R-I-G-H-T-L-A-W-Y-E-R.com. So the right lawyer.com and that's right. W-R-I-G-H-T. So that's the best place to go. Um, you can also go to Facebook, um, which is The Right Lawyer, um, or LinkedIn at The Right Lawyer, and Instagram is The Real Right Lawyer. Um, and any of those places on my social media uh, that just talks about some of the stuff we do. I give a lot of good information um, about business and nonprofits and talk a, a lot about those different things. So you can learn a lot there. But that's um, the website's the best place to go. Um, you can schedule a consultation, get information. We have a blog. Um, so we put out a lot of great information for businesses and nonprofit organizations. Perfect. So I'll make sure all that is also in the show notes. And is there anything else that you want to share with us before we, we close out for the day? Yes, yeah, so I just want to say, make sure that you keep about the report. There are fines um, associated if you're not doing your BOI report. And I don't expect that anything in terms of fines and all of that kind of stuff is going to happen before, you know, 2025. But, you know, you don't want to get into that place where you're going to have these issues. So make sure you do the reporting. There's, you know, if you don't file in a timely manner, the fine can be up to $500 a day or $10,000 per fine. Uh, also, if it's willful, it could be jail time. So we don't want to run the risk of doing this stuff, making sure that you have that. And then two, I would just say, again, kind of make this part of your compliance, meaning that you're checking to make sure that you do this. So annually, at least a check, hey, have there been any changes that we need to update um, our BOI report? Kind of put that in your process. Absolutely. Great information. Shahara, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth through technology, leadership, and people strategies. Do you have an idea for a podcast or feedback you'd like to share with me? Send me a note through my website at dcavirtual.com slash contact.